Welcome to Before You Swipe, the online dating podcast where we read between the pickup lines. I'm Dr. Chris. And I'm Dr. Lauren. We're two sex educators and research nerds using apps to find playmates, partners, and some laughs. Each episode, we share profiles that make us curious and make us cringe. We bring our expertise and personal quirks as we overanalyze our first impressions. Join us for some snarky and sincere tips and traps. Welcome back to another episode of Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. And we are really pumped because it's episode 10. Woo, 10, double digits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I love us talking and spending time together. And it's so amazing that we've now had 10 focused conversations. That's 20 profiles. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, or, yes. You know, it would technically be 18, right? Because it was like nine and now we're doing this one. So yes. Yeah. So yeah, tell our lovely listeners what we're doing different today. Yes. So we thought it'd be fun to switch it up and we're going to do something called story time. It is maybe, is it like after you swipe story time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now we have after um, you swipe. So we're going to share some stories from our experiences, uh, dating from dating apps, uh, off of dating apps, meeting people on dating apps, and just some of the you know lessons we've learned. So we'll be both sharing stories, but also adding in some of those good nuggets of um, you know sex or adult uh, dating education. <laughs> Yes. And that's the plan. Yeah. Kick us off. Yeah. So my story, we never know here, but we'll probably be kind of short because it didn't go very far. That said, I, so from episode nine, we had the buff social justice advocate and I did swipe right on said human and mostly because I have to admit he was exceedingly good looking. That said, if he hadn't had the uh, attributes of being uh, involved in the, or having the passions of Black Lives Matter movement and LGBTQ rights and mental health awareness, I, I probably would have just seen him as a, the, just, a just a good looking person whose poster I might want on my wall, but not really get to know. <laughs> Sorry for the objectification, but he's very, very attractive. And so I swiped right on him and I don't know at one point, I guess he swiped right on me because it was a match. And so I, I'm also in this weird situation where I'm moving soon. So I, in the, in the note to him, I basically said, hi, I just wanted to say, I find you exceedingly attractive, but I'm moving. So good luck, but just know that there's people out there that think you're attractive. And so he wrote back and he was like, thanks. Uh, but just because you're moving soon doesn't mean, you know, we can't hang out or do something. And I, you know, mentioned COVID and, you know, social distancing. So yes, you're right. We could still, I just want to be transparent about the fact that I'm leaving. And if you want to chat or do something, that's totally fine. To which he responded, well, I'm vaccinated. And I said, yes, but I'm not vaccinated. And and he said, well, that doesn't matter. Uh And I said, it did to me. And he 
basically said, well, then you don't understand the science of the vaccination. And mind you, remember, this person's in healthcare. I was just going to say, I remember him in his scrubs. Come on now. What? Yeah. So I said, well, you know, basically I ended up saying, well, could you share with me? Maybe I don't understand the science the way you do. Could you please share that, you know, share what you're reading or share what you're hearing? Because I'd love to hear that. Um, I mean, I'm sure there was a self-serving part of me too. That's like, oh, maybe he's right. And maybe it's totally, I can do this, but, uh, and, and then he never responded and then he unmatched with me. <laughs> oh my word. So, yeah, so that was, it was funny mostly because it well, obviously I didn't get very attached. I was very flattered that this very attractive human being, you know, swiped back with me. And then I got really annoyed that this person wasn't respecting my boundary. And then when I just, I asked with open curiosity, if I was going to, you know, please tell me more about your impression of how the vaccine works then. Yeah. And then just, then that was the end. He did not want to share his science. He just wanted to say it's science. (laughs) (laughs) As men are wont to do, offer zero explanation and say, believe me. Yes. I mean, was it, I mean, is that a masculinity thing or is that just a healthcare thing? Or is that just him trying to convince me? Is that just him trying to convince me to do something fun? I, I, I mean, I think the classic help male in healthcare, you know, again, not to play on stereotypes, but there's also really good data about how male medical professionals treat people and the arrogance that goes along with that. I mean, I think it's worse the higher the specialization and obviously not a universal truth and blah, blah, blah. But I instinctively, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> right. And that's why I wanted to just sort of like, I get your instinct and where that comes from. And as somebody who has worked in a hospital before, yeah. I hear what you're saying. And I also think though, that a lot of the healthcare providers that I normally would interact with were very up on the science and the ones that I'm still friends with on social media are always posting like what I would see as trustworthy sources of accuracy of medical data and having conversations with them. They're remaining very cautious and, and all these things. And then this guy comes along. He's like, I'm vaccinated. It's totally fine. (laughs) Like, wait, what? So a couple things come up for me on this, right? So this, this, I mean, this links, right? Obviously we're in COVID right now in the pandemic. But it's also similar to STIs and conversations that can happen with that and how ill-informed people often are about, Mm -hmm. you know, risk barrier methods, safe, all those kinds of things. So that comes to mind for me. I mean, the fact that this, it makes me wonder what kind of medical professional, like, obviously we didn't know he's in his scrubs, but we don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. He could be, you know, uh, he could be an eye doctor, a physical therapist. Like, I don't know. Or I mean, or not even have a a formal degree in it yet, right? Like he could be really early in training. And so this is basically, you know, someone who's barely a medical, you know, not to diminish people who are on their path to get licensed or certified or whatever else, you know, but it's, I mean, this sounds like someone, again, it's like, this was someone who wanted to use science or what it sounds like to me is someone who wanted to use science to have a good time. They thought they appropriately labeled you as hot and a good time. And, you know, I mean, this is the stuff we do sometimes is even when we know better, 
we're going to push some boundaries and, and that's, it's not okay. I mean, he should have respected your boundaries. He should have, or at least come back and, you know, at least or answer the question. Right. right? Like, just, yeah. Or say, I don't, I don't want to do a back and forth. I'm going to go sleep with someone else. <laughs> right. Yeah. You could do that. Or if you are in healthcare and you care about health, then you can educate me on your yeah, but there's not science to back him up. I'm sorry. Right, exactly. No. So yeah, so he's just trying to smooth talk, even though I think in my profile, I do use the term that I'm overeducated. Maybe, yeah, he was just trying to convince me of something that isn't true so he could get and something he wanted. But I mean, at any rate, it just didn't. Well, and I think we can also the imagine... <laughs> There's, there's like the lies we tell ourselves too, right? Like we want the pandemic to be better. We want, we want COVID, we want the vaccine to mean things it doesn't. We, because we want life to feel normal. I think this is similar. Again, I keep wanting to connect this to STIs because it's like, it's the same thing that happens when people get a positive diagnosis and they haven't gone through their treatment or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And you're just like, the ways we process it and our, our sort of cognitive, you know, our defense mechanisms of like, we want it to be okay. And so for all we know, this guy really believes or wants to believe that him having the vaccine makes you safe. And it's like completely ignoring that you can carry an, you can carry an infection, you can carry a bacteria and pass it to someone else without ever getting sick from it. You yeah. may never test positive, but if you slept with someone last night and you know, you've got whatever, anyway, there's like so many ways things pass that yeah. you don't even have to have a positive diagnosis to pass anyway, so. Yes, no, it's all true. And it is, I, the S, I've seen some things and maybe we can find some of them, but equating the yeah. talking about COVID with uh, STIs and what people can learn. And yes, the pandemic is still going. And yes, the vaccine is starting to roll out. And there's still ways that we can make parallels to these conversations about you know, disclosing that you have a positive diagnosis and, and then talking to that person and figuring out, okay, now how do we talk to the other people that are in our bubble or circle or whatever's happening? Because it does happen. And again, it's not because you are a bad person. It's not, when you get an STI, if you get COVID, it's not, you're not a bad human being or dirty or oh my gosh, right. stupid or it happens to people. And so being able to talk about these things and admit when something happens and, and being transparent about it, it's hard, but it's, we need to normalize that and then, and then work on the things we can do to, you know, stop spread and make people better if it's possible and things like that. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, having these conversations, getting rid of stigma, like, I love everything you said at the, and, and it's like, uh, I mean, the majority of people, if you're having sex, the majority of people are going to have an STI. You may very well never know. Mm -hmm. I mean, but the, but the yeah. research is, you know, 90% of the population has herpes, right? Uh, globally. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't, it's not even part of your STI panel folks, because that's how common it is, you know, or HPV. They say that almost everyone at some point will have uh, HPV being, well, what people usually think of as genital warts, but whatever. And, you know, we could eradicate that because we have a vaccine, like, a, a, you know, with the next upcoming generations, at least some of it, because there's like 200 strains. But anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm digressing, but it's, we just have to normalize these conversations and not stigmatize people, not make anyone feel bad. And including someone who has a, 
I'm like, is it higher or lower risk tolerance? Like you are very cautious. So yeah. you want you want less risk, more safety. And so when we're having these conversations, respect the other person. Don't try to talk them down or treat them poorly. Or if you're going to challenge someone's ideas, send a link. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like use your good rhetorical practices and and think about what credibility can you bring? What evidence? You know, like. Yes. Just you saying, but the science, you don't understand it. Like, that's such an asshole thing to say. <laughs> right. That's why I thought it was funny. And that's why I wanted to say. And also because it was this person from episode nine that we figured. Such a punk. Yes. So, sadly, this very attractive man is who not the nicest had, human being ever. And who supposedly had good values. I remember when we talked about that profile, yes. we were like, wow, it totally changes everything when we see these values around like black lives matter mental health yeah. you know fair rights like oh all right well so clearly and just someone saying they have those values doesn't mean they're gonna be well they could have those values too they just don't again back to what is their level of what do they what is the narrative they need to hear to navigate this world right now as we're approaching yeah. a year of social isolation right so that, there's that too. And just because we have values that are respectful in some ways doesn't mean we have universal respectful values. So, I mean, we're complicated as humans. Yes, yes, we are. Ooh, and this is a good transition into my human. Oh, good, yeah. Can I, can I is it okay to share? Yes, please do that. All right, and thank you for sharing yours. That was a very fascinating and compelling story <laughs> All right, so um, the person I want to talk about, uh, it, is, uh, it was funny. This is one of the first men I matched with after I let myself start seeing men again on mm -hmm. the Tinder for this podcast. So thanks, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the reason I chose to swipe right on them, and I haven't talked about their profile here. Uh, in their profile, they talked a lot about meditation and mindfulness practices. Um, and they, you know, their presentation, their photos, like really uh, sort of like a sweet, tender being, you know, not, um, I would describe them as soft, which mm -hmm. I really appreciated. And it felt resonant with what they had in their profile, right? That notion of like convergence between what they said in their profile and then what was in their images. And so when we matched, like there was some language that was parallel in both of our profiles, really similar ways of describing what we're doing in our lives. And um, so we immediately started talking about mindfulness practices, how we approach them. And you know, it's part of their cultural background. It's not part of my cultural background. It's something I've come to later in life. And so it was really lovely the way at first they were sharing all these practices and sort of you know, where they go to learn more. And they were giving me references here in Chicago, which was really nice. Um, so all of that was fine and grand and very exciting. And we actually moved off of Tinder onto texting. We had set up a, a social distance date to go for a walk together. And then we're continuing talking. This like took course, I think over like a week of chatting. Okay. And then, <laughs> uh -oh. so there was a series and I'm a very like sexually, no, no shock, sexually forward person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so with this particular person, I don't remember how it started, but at a certain point it was like the, you know, what are you into? What do you like? What are you looking for conversation? Yeah. Um, and, you know, conversations 
going into BDSM, like all sorts of different things. I mean, I felt like we walked through one of those sexual inventory lists. I'm like, did they have one up on a computer or something? And they were going through like, yes, maybe no. <laughs> did, can um, you please tell our lovely audience what BDSM means before you go oh, further? Oh my gosh. And I, you know, when you ask me on the spot, I'm going to say the acronym wrong because it can mean so many bondage and discipline dominant submission, sadomasochism, like yeah. these are some of the things that can be attached to. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in the beginning, the conversation was quite fun. And it was very much, you know, running through like, hey, what do you think about this? And felt really respectful and consensual, like that's how it should be, is asking the question or just sharing, hey, I really like da 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 da, -da. what are you interested in? Um, the, where it went wrong, was he was asking about specific behaviors that I'm not into. And for my own privacy, I'm not gonna get specific about which things I was sure. like, no, thank you, pass. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I very clearly just said, yeah, that's not for me. Uh, and then he pressed, he's like, not even. And so he like modified it slightly and was like, not even that, what about that? Like, what if it was like this? And I was like, look, that's a hard no for me. And so that's language, you know, that not everyone is familiar with, but like, you saying a hard no it, for me and in certain communities and socialized practice, like that's telling someone I'm not open to conversation about it. I'm not interested in playing around with this. That's a hard no. I mean, I, colloquially that should like make sense. Yeah. Even with me saying it's a hard no, he kept going. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's, that's awful on every single stinking level. And the fact that you hadn't known each other for very long. Right. It's not a couple that has been together for 10 years and it's important, very in essential to one person's sexual identity. And so it might, right. I, hard no's are hard no's and possibly discussing things more about what, what do you like about that particular behavior? Are there other behaviors we can do that would give you that same satisfaction? Yeah after you've already been involved with each other in ways that are mutually pleasurable. Yeah, thank you for, yes, exactly. So it's not, I thank you, that's super important. Like it's not, it's not that you can't revisit a hard no and that should be done in a very like caring and respectful way, but that's usually gonna like that notion of like after you actually have a relationship. Yes. And after you've established that you have trust and respect and honor each other's boundaries and all these other things. So, all right, so the story continues. Oh, okay. So I then stopped responding and this was like kind of late at night and so it was fine. Um, mm -hmm. So I stopped responding and then the next day and I really thought about like, okay, what do I wanna do with this? And I just decided, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a damn sex educator. I'm gonna educate this person. <laughs> <laughs> about like what they've done, whether they choose to hear me or not. Like this is my intervention for the benefit of all people this person may match with in the future. Uh, and so I like wrote, I took some time and I wrote up a whole thing like, hey, I really need to give you some feedback. And they had shared with me that they were fairly early in using social, like uh, online dating. So I was like, okay. you know what? they chose to disclose that. They also know I'm a, a sex educator. So I feel like for several reasons, I felt okay doing this. I don't think everyone should feel obligated to educate someone, but I did. <laughs> and so I went into, I wrote him a very direct message that was like, when you did this, I felt, so I was using mm -hmm. I statements. Uh, and I talked about how I felt pressured. I felt like he didn't respect my boundaries. You know, 
and I, and I sort of gave him new language of like, if you're, you know, if you, um, want to clarify something, you ask someone first, can I clarify your relationship to those, those practices? Like, can I mm-hmm. ask you more questions about that? And you ask, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I gave him some language on that. And then, um, and then I talked about the impact of how I felt toward him, you know, and how given the other conversations we'd had about mindfulness, respect for humanity, values, all these other things, I was like, you just created a, comp- a moment where you completely undermined all of that. And I, and it makes me question like what I know of you. And, and so FYI, really rethink this approach. And I don't know which one of you is more true. If, if this version, this, this exchange that you created, cause it, it was, it went on, it was not cool. Um, and I said, if this is really who you are and how you relate to people, like, I really hope you revisit how you treat people. Um, yeah. And thankfully, I was like, I was expecting some horrible message back, some, you know, angry dude nonsense. And instead, I got back, wow, thank you so much for letting me know. And he, he said, I, I know y- you don't owe me listening to an explanation. Um, but here's like, I think I got overly excited because of how open you were and other things. And so blah, blah, blah. And, and he's like, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And I will never do that again. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I still said, I'm, you know, I'm really glad mm-hmm. I'm also out because <laughs> yeah. I didn't, you know, my, for me as someone with a lot of like gnarly experiences with people disrespecting my boundaries, it's like, nope, I can't, I can't mess yeah. around with that personally. So. Yeah. And it sounds like that's a case of that. We all have places where it's just deal breaker and it's not, and you don't have space for that. So that was a conversation that you had with somebody and there there can be other people who would say okay maybe I can work with that because they're sorry and things but again that's not what you can do right and I also wonder and we don't know if this is the case but if there's a sexual practice out there that is a like you need it in your life yeah and that person the person can't provide it for you you can also articulate that. So instead of saying, how about it this way or this way or this, or like whatever, just like keep going, being upfront and saying this, I need this in my life to feel sexually satisfied. And therefore we might not be a good, oh, what we might a, not be a good match sexually. I love, that. I love but that. Maybe we can do other stuff. I love that. I think that's a really great, a very different, because we do, we have a right our sexualities are for, for many of us are extremely important. Our, 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 the different forms of sexual expression, what, and, and it's not just about like what feels good and I like it. Like for some of us, it's, it's, there are certain practices that it's like, no, this is core to release, to intimacy. And we don't all align on those. And it doesn't yeah. make one person's sexuality better or worse or right or wrong. Absolutely not. But right. So if that was, you know, it's entirely possible that that is a practice. I mean, that really means something to him. And I mean, the kinds of questions he got into, I would say that's probably true. And he, you know, as he was inquiring and, and pressuring, frankly, he yeah. was sharing stories of past partners and like why they liked it and why it was good for them. And it was like, he was trying to convince me, but I, it also could have been just as likely that he was trying to share like why it matters to him. But because of how he was approaching it, like I couldn't even register that. And on text, it's, I mean, that stuff is so impossible. I mean, I commend both of you 
for having the courage to even have the conversation in the first place, because that is not a conversation people have at all, never mind up front. Which conversation? Just the what do you like and what do you not like? Yeah. The sort of going through the list or doing the what are the what are your turn ons or those kinds of things. Those are that is possibly one of the harder conversations anyone could ever have at all. Which is so sad, right? Like that just speaks to cultures of shame and, you know, living with scripts, like sexual scripts that tell us, oh, we're supposed to like this, that, and the other, and here's the progression. And it's just supposed to magically happen and sequence itself. And it's, you know, frankly, those conversations, I love those conversations. That's, Mm -hmm. and, and I have had some really wonderful role models in my life who talked about how they approach those conversations and especially in the queer community. I think that opens up a lot of doors because you can't use the heterosexual scripts, the things we see in almost all of the movies and so much of the porn, which no, no one should learn sex from porn, just like, that's just, <laughs> or at least not most porn. Let's, there's some good educational porn out there, but, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, that's another rabbit hole for another day. <laughs> yes. But I just, you know, I mean, because those can be really easy conversations of, it could be, right? I'm not saying it, it is in our current culture or, you know, for all people based on their histories, but the more we can practice those of even just asking one question, like, you know, what kind of touch do you like, you know, or what t- kind of touch would feel good to you right now? It makes me think I'll post a link to the consent wheel. I don't know if you've ever. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So that's, is it Betty Martin, Dr. Betty Martin? Anyway, I'm not going to know the name of the person. So it's like this whole framework of thinking like, what are you open? What would you like to give? What would you like to receive? Um, What are you available to? Like if someone's saying, I would like to receive a gentle touch on my arm, then you as someone being asked to do that, get to think about, do I want to give that touch? So there could, you know, you're like, you're each setting boundaries and negotiating. Like, how do we keep practicing these things? Mm You know, I think we're getting better at asking for hugs and knowing that that's important and not everyone is a hugger and, or, you know, like those kinds of things. And so how do we keep expanding and extending and practicing those consent conversations? And even before we get to that though, I think there's this piece of desperation for, am I normal? Yeah. And so it's scary to ask for that gentle touch. If you think that that might be a no, because you might interpret that as, oh gosh, that means I, I'm strange or that that's not a normal thing to ask for of something as opposed to the idea. If I say my favorite color is purple and someone else is like, oh, I hate purple. I'm not going to crawl under the sofa and be ashamed that I've disclosed that I love the color, that color. And and, and it's, it's not going to be a big deal because there's not that laden meaning about where we, and it's also not usually revealing your favorite color is not usually as an intimate share. Right. But I love that. I like that parallel though. I mean, I think what, if we could get to the place where talking about, you know, our sexual practices felt as safe and secure within ourselves of like, I am confident in my like of the color purple. Yes. And I can just be secure in that. And what anyone else thinks about it, I don't care about their judgment. I'm not worried about being shamed. And I'm not worried about whether I'm normal because I have faith 
that so long as my practice is not creating harm and so unwanted harm in someone else yes. and, me and myself, and as long as it's consensual, it's normal. It's fine. Like I'd love for us never to use the word normal again, but it's, it's, it's a, it's yours and it's good. No harm, yeah, yeah. consent-based, no unwanted harm. Again, need to clarify. Mm -hmm. I just, it's so sad that we're, we're looking for approval. We're looking for approval in our sexuality and in our desires and in, in all of that. And it's, it's like our pleasure is ours. Our pleasure should be valid and valued no matter what. And it's just, I mean, again, within those constraints and it's just, it's really sad. Like it makes, it makes my heart, like, this is why I'm a sex educator. And this is why I like having these conversations is yeah. every time I'm on Tinder or whatever dating app, or every time I meet a stranger and I choose to have these conversations, I do hear often that it's their first time having that conversation with someone. And again, and that's probably why this guy also felt this relief of sharing with you because yeah. possibly first time for the conversation with him as well. And he just, and he bungled it and, and in a way that was not okay for you. And, but he might have really liked you. He was, and then, oh my gosh, this person's saying yes to all these other things. And this is great. I am now meeting this person I could really connect with. And then just got too enthusiastic and didn't hear the cues of hard no because you can't be any more clear than hard no. no. Sorry, like, it just, there's not, that's, that's as clear as you can be. And to then trample over that is <laughs> no. not okay. Not okay at all. It's definitely a come on man moment. Yeah. You know, and I, I also appreciate you reflecting that back to me because it's so easy to slip into it. Cause I was doing all that narrating of like, well, I mean, I guess hard no maybe is in community or something. It's like, no, hard no is a hard no. Like anyone should hard be. Hard no is also, by the way, a common phrase in Letterkenny, which I know I have talked about in other episodes. So it is in popular culture as well. So it's not just an in-community thing. Letterkenny uses the phrase hard no. And I think it's more broadly used then. Yeah, cool. See, so even more, even more, but, uh, but also like this conversation is reflecting, like this is the ways we can feel like, oh, maybe I wasn't clear. And it's like, nah, I was hella clear. I was completely yeah, you were clear. clear. You were clear. <laughs> And for and whatever I, reason, this person did not see your very clear boundary as a, a, as a no means no, for lack of a better phrase. Well, it's like, no means no. It doesn't matter yeah, if it's verbal, physical, emotional. No is no. And I, and I think, you know, we can say for whatever reason, most likely this is, you know, it's, it was with a man and, you know, men are, diff are socialized that they are entitled to certain things around sexuality. And again, this goes back to like, we got to work on how we get socialized and what we talk about and, and the ways we treat sexuality, particularly in hetero scenarios of like, you know, a man's sexuality is not more important than someone, you know, whether they identify as a woman, gender, queer, or some other gender, like men's sexuality is not the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. despite socialization for sent, you know, a couple of things, you know, so yeah. many different psychologists who contribute to contributed to that framing, but you know, we'll keep, keep resisting and transforming that. And it's, it's a process and a project. And I think it's not about like, for me, it wasn't about shaming him. And I, I'm proud that I didn't, you know, make him feel like a terrible person. Cause I don't think he was, I think he made a mistake and I can give him grace around that, but also hold him accountable and then make my choice to walk away. I didn't want to I didn't want to make him, I didn't want to yell at him because then he, it's a lost learning opportunity. Yeah. That also feels, it makes me think of, 
you know, some of the conversations out there around like cancel culture and stuff like that. Like I could still hold a boundary and say, I'm, I'm not interested in still spending time with you, but I care enough about your humanity to give you some hopefully useful feedback yes. and believe that he could learn and, and be different in the future. So mm-hmm. certainly would not, you know, that was hard for me. I, I really had to think about like, what does it mean if I open myself up to this? You know, what will I do if he responds back in a mean way, like I really had to plan a little bit for myself, for my own well-being. So I want to also honor that, like, making that choice is not something people should do lightly. You know, make you know, you're not, you don't owe anyone education. You do owe treating people with dignity. Um, so if you are going to respond to someone's uh, missteps, mistakes, unless they've done significant harm to you, of course, that's a whole different conversation. But encouraging folks to be as kind as you can while protecting your, your own well-being wherever you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you did a great job of taking care of him as, but also putting yourself first and that's what you need to do in those situations. Yep. It's a learning, learning curve for sure. Yes. For me, I have not done that for a lot of my, <laughs> And for other people who are going to have those kinds of conversations, if it comes back and it's ugly, like the person starts to get defensive or starts to name call you or something where it doesn't go well. So in my case, right, like the person just never answered back and just essentially walked away by unmatching. Right. So we tried to have not nearly as deep of a conversation. That conversation just ended by the person leaving the room, so to speak. And that's fine. And I wasn't there and I, we didn't have any emotional attachment because this is all like in the span of 15 minutes that all this happened. So you had more connection Mm -hmm. and could have been hurt by whether it's words from a stranger or words from somebody that you are making a connection with is having that sort of right. Having a plan of if this person comes back and is hurtful to me, who can I reach out to? Who are my resources for oh, then I can talk to Chris about what happened or I can talk to this other person in my life or I journal it or whatever works for you to feel, you know, safe again after someone's been disrespectful to you. And I think adding to that too, also thinking from, you know, his perspective, I do think, you know, acknowledging, man, if you are someone who ever gets feedback like this from someone, it, it is hard. It's hard to hear you made a mistake. It's hard to hear you said something that was upsetting to someone. And most likely if you said it, you didn't think there was anything wrong with it when you did it. And, and yeah. so the, the instinct can be to defend, to justify, to explain away. And um, part of what we always just need to remember is how we make other people feel it's theirs and it's rooted in their past experience. It's rooted in so many things and that impact it matters. And so allowing that person's experience to be valid you know, and he, and he did that, right. He, he said, he heard me, he validated it. Um, and, and he even could have said, you know, that wasn't my intent and I don't think I did anything wrong, but I'm, I'm sorry. It hurt you. Like I even would have accepted that as a response. Thankfully Mm -hmm. he took it many steps further, probably because I offered a very long explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway, yeah. And we had built trust. I mean, we had built a meaningful, we'd gone back and forth about a lot of different things It had been, you know, kind of, again, a really great exchange. Um, yeah. So that was part of the grounding. But anyway, so for, if you do get this feedback, it can be really hard. Don't respond right away. 
sit with it, say, you know, if this was my best friend, if this was my, someone I'm really close to who shared this feedback with me, how would I show them care? How would I show them dignity? And just, you know, maybe you don't go as far as you would for that person if it's a stranger on Tinder, but like, <laughs> you know, when people give you feedback, how can you honor that anyone giving you feedback, that's a gift, that's someone being vulnerable. Um, and so how do you, how do you hear that? How do you take care of yourself and trying to learn from it, whatever you're willing to learn from it? And then how do you treat them respectfully afterward? Yeah. So. yeah. I'm Some sorry it happened to you, but I'm glad both of you behaved like thoughtful adults. I know it was such an adult moment. I was like, whoa, right on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's, I think that's, is that it? Are we? Yeah, that's our first story time first story time. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts or a profile you'd like us to overanalyze, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, number four, letter U, swipe at gmail. Or find us on Facebook at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats. 